Hey everybody, I'm Larry Little, and you're listening to Crossing the Line, a podcast where I talk with people about the moments in their life when they cross the line from leading with their head to leading with their heart, and then from leading with their heart to leading with their head. Today on the show, I'm having a conversation with an incredible young leader, Stephen Pearl. I've walked with Stephen for for quite some time, and I'm super impressed uh, by this young leader. He is the assistant basketball coach at Auburn University and works with his dad, uh, Bruce Pearl. Stephen has been instrumental in one of the biggest rebuilds, both on and off the court, in college basketball. Uh, Stephen is in charge of the team's academics at Auburn and has experienced one of the biggest success stories on campus. Since his arrival on the Plains in 2014, the Tigers have graduated 29 student athletes, the most in the SEC. Also, in his tenure, Auburn became one of the four major programs to record three consecutive 25-win seasons, joining Duke, Kansas, and Kentucky. Also, while Stephen has been there, Auburn has arguably experienced the greatest season in the program's history in 2018 and 19, highlighted by a trip to the Final Four, the first ever. Uh, The Tigers defeated Kansas, Kentucky, and North Carolina on a historic run and becoming the first team ever to defeat the three winningest programs in NCAA history in consecutive games in the NCAA tournament. Now, you're saying, Lee, why in the world are you telling us all this about Auburn University? Okay, I confess, I'm an Auburn alum, I'm a big fan, have followed Auburn for years, but Stephen is special, and, and I'm so glad that I've had the opportunity to, to walk with him, and I want you to get to know him as well. He's not only a great leader, he has played the game, he, he played under his, his father, Bruce Pearl, at, at Tennessee. Uh, not only that, uh, he was while he was there, he was a three-time member of the SEC Academic Honor Roll. Uh, and, and even in high school, he was quite the athlete. He was an All-State and All-Prep in, in high school. And, and he actually uh, helped lead the U.S. men's basketball team to a gold medal in 2006 in Sydney, Australia. All of that to say, he's accomplished uh, uh, quite a lot. But that's not why I want you to get to know him. I, I want you to hear Stephen because he knows how to lead with his head. And he knows how to lead with his heart. He, he understands what it means to truly speak into the lives of others, to truly make a difference. So uh, sit back and enjoy this. He's got some awesome stories, but he's got some even better insights. So Stephen Pearl, let's jump into that conversation right now. Well, here we are with somebody that I truly admire. I, I've, I've known this guy for a while, and I've watched him for a while. And, you know, um, in, in my line of work, I watch leaders and, and walk with leaders. And, and I've done so with Stephen Pearl. And I've watched him through some hard times. I've watched him through good times. And the most incredible thing about this man is he stays the same through both. So I am so excited to to have him today on our podcast. Stephen, thank you for being here. Thanks for giving. I know you are slammed uh, assistant basketball coach of the Auburn Tigers, and you have just a little bit going on getting ready for this ridiculousness that, that we're having with this COVID, but trying to get ready for a season in the middle of that. Um, but thank you for, for being here. Thanks for giving me uh, just a few minutes and for giving us a few minutes of your time. No, Doc, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me on. 
you know, thank you for your friendship, for your leadership, for your mentorship. Um, you know, happy to take the time to, you know, spend some time with you and uh, talk about some of these topics. Mm. Well, I want to talk, you know, and, and we've heard, you've heard me say, if you're listening, you've heard the, the intro and, and amazing things that Stephen has accomplished. It's just incredible. But I, but I want to talk about something else instead of those accomplishments today, Stephen. I want to, I want to talk about you um, because I think we can learn from you. I think we can we can grow together, and and I know from our conversations that you have a depth to you that is 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 really uh, rare. So I want to take just for a few minutes and let's talk about Stephen Pearl if we can. And I know that you know you you know you might have somebody famous in your life that you've been around a while, you know, um, <laughs> with your dad. Yeah. Uh, and if if somebody's listening uh, in another country and you're on, you know, or maybe you've just been you know under a rock, I don't know. Stephen's dad is is Bruce Pearl. He's the head coach of the um, of the Auburn Tigers too. So we want to you know we want to. Well, we appreciate that, and that's awesome. But we, we want to hear about not only what it was like living in that household, but we want to hear about you mm. as a person. So let's go back to a day in the life of Stephen mm, as a child, as an eight-year-old, mm. uh, as a six-year-old. Take us through what was it like uh, growing up in your home as an eight, six or eight-year-old? I mean, growing up, uh, Doc, it was wanting to spend as much time with, with BP as, as coach as possible. And whether that was going to the gym um, while he was running practice and just running around, you know, getting to spend as much time with him as possible, you know, playing sports, doing all types of other things. But I can just vividly remember growing up, I was surrounded by his players. They were like older brothers to me and, and they took me in like I was one of theirs. Um, so people talk about how being a coach's kid can be really difficult. I don't see it that way. Um, I thought it was an unbelievable blessing for me to grow up in that environment because one, I had, I had to learn how to be around different people, new people. I had to learn how to build relationships with people that were older than me. I had to learn how to just adapt. So this is the first clue you get about uh, what makes Stephen who he is. He, he frames that, that a situation of being a coach's son in a positive light. He looks for those opportunities. It's a theme uh, throughout this podcast. So uh, kind of listen in for that. And um, I got to be around a lot of really cool experiences. I got to travel to road games. I got to be, you know, a part of some really cool memories of, of winning a national championship when I was in first grade, you know, wow. when coaches at Southern Indiana. So like, I, like as a kid growing up, I remember all those things. Um, so just really trying to go to the gym as much as possible, spend as much time with him um, and just enjoying that process. Um, all while not really understanding like what I was a part of, you know, mm. thinking that that was the norm. Mm. Um, and being able to share that with my family, with my friends, um, you know, it, it was it was special because it was it was something that also brought family together, um, coming to games, coming to tournaments, different things of that nature. Um, so it, were, it really was a, ble a blessing growing up, being a part of that fraternity, a part of that world. It it, it was a, a, an incredibly unique opportunity. And what I've what I've heard you say is that in your your dad allowed that. In other words, mm -hmm. he, it sounds like he welcomed you into his world. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he, he wanted me to be a part of it because, you know, anything you do with your family, Doc, whether it's good or bad, it's going to make it that much more special mm -hmm. or that much more meaningful. So mm -hmm. him having me there with him as, you know, say the water boy growing up, you know, it was cool. Um, you know, he would take my sister on the road with him as, as well. So we all got, a, got to be a part of it. 
so he he wanted us to be a part of that life and and be a part of that journey and i think just you know going through that as a young kid you know really helped me mature in different ways um as you know becoming an adult as i am now so so you're there you're traveling you're experiencing national championships in the first grade uh, and i mean it's a it's an incredible opportunity in life but then adolescence hits right you, mm-hmm. you become this this teenager uh, walk us through what it was like being a teenager uh, in your home. Beginning to understand the reality of what coaching is. Begin, beginning to understand, you know, your dad is becoming a little bit of a celebrity. Beginning to understand that your dad is having an impact on people. That was, I think that was the coolest thing for me growing up was seeing him impact others. And then having people come up to me and tell me how impactful he was <clears throat> on others. Did, did you catch that? He didn't say uh, my dad was a great basketball coach or my dad had great abilities. He said it was really cool seeing the impact that my dad had on others. And his dad started teaching him the importance of that as a child and then at adolescence. It really stuck out to him, the impact, the difference that his dad was having in the lives of others. And I think that's when I started to realize that you know, what he did was important. What he did was impactful. What he did was meaningful. Um, and seeing him change lives, I think, kind of inspired me to have a certain um, personality, a certain attitude, and a, a certain way of being a leader. And I, I learned that from him. Wow. Um, so seeing, you know, how he acted in that environment kind of helped me in, in many different ways, whether it was in the classroom, whether it was on the, base, on the baseball field, the basketball court, the football field. Um, starting to understand what, you know, that responsibility was, um, how important it was. You know, I thought that was, you know, really cool growing up. You start to, you start to pick up on things a little bit differently and you start to understand the reality of things. So you started to kind of grasp the, the enormity of, Hey, I'm, I'm, you know, the son of one of the, in my opinion, one of the greatest basketball coaches, you know, ever, but, and, and the reason I'm such a Bruce Pearl fan is because I think he, he not only talks that game, but he really walks the walk. And you're, mm-hmm. and you're talking about that. He walked that walk at, at home with you guys and teaching the responsibility of what true true leadership looks like. And goodness knows we could use a bit of that in our culture today, couldn't we? And and he he does that. Did he as a young man, as a as a teenager, was it intimidating? Did you ever did you ever feel like, hey man, this is just this is too much or 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 not? Not really, because he did a really good job of separating, you know, what he did at work. To when he came home when he came home he was just he was dead you know he was he, he was dead he you know um it would do all the all the things that dad would, would do we'd, we'd play in the yard we'd go play basketball you know he'd be in the kitchen helping mom out cook some stuff and you know, he, he did a good job of, of leaving that stuff behind and then when we'd go to bed he'd go upstairs and watch film and then he'd be back in, in coach mode so um you know obviously he was a little intimidating because if you know who Bruce Pearl is, you know how animated he can get on the sidelines. So there was that level of fear as, as a child that if you, you, know, you ever you know, did something wrong or, or, or roughhouse your sister a little bit, you know, VP uh, could come out. And uh, so you had to be careful at times. But no, I mean, it wasn't really, it wasn't intimidating. Um, you, growing up, you, you really enjoyed it more uh, than, than I guess you could say it intimidated. You, you really don't get intimidated by it until you get to the age that I'm at now and really understand like what's at stake here. That's right. Um, there's a lot at stake and it's not as, you know, 
as a kid, you, you see all the good things, all the fun stuff, you know, you don't realize the toll it takes on certain people and, and, and how much impact there is uh, on and off the court. And mm. you, know, you don't really realize how, how tough this profession is until you get to our age, but there's still a lot of great things about it. But as a kid growing up, you don't see all those things. No, you don't. I'm going to ask you about what's at stake in just a minute, because I know this is more than just about a basketball for you and a basketball mm -hmm. game. And it, it, it's way more than that. I want to hear that, but I got to go back for just a minute. So mm -hmm. I want you to go back as a teenager and tell, tell us, this is a little bit personal, so you can, you can pass if you want yeah. to pass, but, but tell us a time when you got, you know, like you just got in trouble. I mean, you did something bonehead as all teenage guys do. <laughs> Walk us through what that was like in, in BP's house. Um, I mean, I had a terrible attitude growing up. I was a sore loser. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I was the kid that if I struck out, I threw my bat and threw my helmet. And, you know, if I missed a shot, you know, I, I got upset. And I just remember multiple times growing up, you know, I, I would do something and I would immediately catch myself and I'd look over and see him and he would just be looking at me with those eyes. And I was like, oh, crap, here we go. <laughs> so just, you know, growing up, having a little bit of an, a short temper and attitude, um and just seeing you know how he how he handled those things as his son he was probably a little little rougher on me but you know as I grew up I understood why he did that and you know I think it made me better uh because of it but just trying to you know grow through those things and him trying to you know tr still treat me as a son because he wanted to treat me as one of his players almost I think growing up because if yeah. one of his players threw a fit like that he'd have a different way about it, but being a son, you know, I think he has to separate the two. So it was, uh, you know, that, that was some of the stuff that I, I vividly remember growing up. Uh, until he, he had to treat you differently until you, you had to have this dream of playing for, for your dad and you worked yourself to death. I know you, that's just who you are. You're disciplined. Mm -hmm. You worked hard and, and then you achieved incredible success in high school and and uh and now the time is here and you're playing for your dad help us give us some insight on that what in the world was that like so you know just playing playing in high school um wasn't really good enough sophomore junior seasons of of playing division one basketball senior year you know the light kind of came on i had a great year started to get recruited by some division two schools low division one schools um and had the opportunity to walk on to Tennessee and, and you know, pass up a few scholarship opportunities and kind of had to made it, make a decision at that point. Do I want to go play at a lower level, be successful in the, in the basketball world, or do I want to try and play at the highest level, work my way up into that top 10 of the rotation as a walk-on, um, also putting myself in position at a, at a school like the University of Tennessee to have more of a network after college. So I try to think of it more at a young age as a holistic approach. You know, mm. I'm going to have more connections. I'm going to see more things. I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to do, I'm going to experience a lot more at Tennessee as a walk-on than I would be, you know, say at a division two school or a low division one school as a scholarship player. A holistic approach. So that tells you a lot about Steven. Even as a young man, uh, he had the ability to, to kind of take a step back and, and had the insight to look at the big picture rather than um, the short-term uh, instant gratification uh, uh, process. Uh, and it, he continues to lead with that insight today. So made that decision. It was a great decision, um, you know, but me being me, I thought I was better than what I was. So I wanted to play right away. <laughs> 
So my our first two years at Tennessee, like me and me and my dad butt heads, you know, because mm-hmm. there was there was times where, you know, I felt like I should be playing, and he was, you know, he wasn't going to give it to me because I was his son. Obviously, mm-hmm. he was going to make me work that much harder. Um, and there was a year where I probably could have been playing that he even didn't play me that year because he didn't want people thinking I was going to get that opportunity just because I was his son. And I think the guys on our team saw that and respected that because they knew that, you know, everyone is going to be treated the same. He treats all of his kids, you know, just as badly as he treats me in that regard. You know, he treats everyone fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I first redshirted my first year, my next, my first two years didn't play a lot. My junior and senior season ended up playing a lot, having a pretty successful run my last two seasons at Tennessee. Um, but I just, you know, it taught me to be patient. It taught me to, um, you know, be ready, always stay ready. Be patient, but always stay ready. Another great leadership insight. And regardless of what you do in life, you know, you have to, you have to be ready when your opportunity presents itself. And, and that happened my junior season, took full advantage of it. We ended up, you know, going to the lead eight that year being one point away from a final four, you know, one of the greatest teams in Tennessee basketball history. And I was a part of that, which was, which was unbelievable, incredibly rewarding. Um, but just being able to have that relationship, having, you know, we were at a low point at low point at one time and to be able to get, you know, back to where we were by the end of my career. And now we're working together. Um, you know, it just, it teaches you a lot when you go through those trials and tribulations with, with someone in your family and being, you know, that close to someone, in their professional life, you know, there could be some people on here that are our father, son, or, or mother, daughters that work together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not easy, you know, but, you know, anything that's, you know, is good is worth working at. And I think that's something that we did throughout, you know, my time at Tennessee and it's kind of carried over to today. Wow. That that's an incredible insight. And Steven, what, what are the differences that, that you noticed from when you walked on as a freshman mm-hmm. at, at Tennessee and then now let's go to that to that junior senior year where you've matured. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about how that relationship with your dad, how, how did it develop during that time as you had to get used to this player son relationship? I think it took me growing up and him staying patient with me. Um, you know, I, I had to realize that I was being a little ridiculous at times in my expectations, but also understand that he had a job to do mm. and he had to he had to separate, you know, me being his son and me being his, you know, one of his players. So it took some time for me to kind of, you know, figure that out. I understood it, what it was from day one, but I also thought if I, you know, if I was head and head with somebody, I was, I could have gotten the nod because I was his son. That wasn't the case. Um, he wanted me to work that much harder. And I think, you know, it's a blessing that he did that because now in my professional life, you know, that's kind of carried over to what I, you know, uh, apply to my everyday work ethic and just activities. There it is again, work ethic. Man, we see that pattern uh, in every leader we talk with who has who has experienced success. You just kind of w- get away from uh, working hard. You got to work that much harder because people are always going to say something about you. You know, you're in a certain position because of who you are, blah, blah, blah. You just got to break through those those barriers and those walls and just keep working. Uh, and not worry about what people have to say. Don't worry about the outside noise and just let the results do the talking. And I think at Tennessee, you know, I was a part of two really successful teams. Um, we had results there, you know, now here at Auburn, mm-hmm. we've had an unbelievable three-year run 
um, you know, yeah. since, since I've been on staff and, you know, been here for, this is our seventh year now. So just gotta let the results do the talking and you can't, you know, be bothered by the outside noise and, and just keep, just keep grinding. What truths you learn, but you had to be coachable, Stephen. You had to, you had to be able to, to receive those truths from your dad and, and work to, to apply them. And, and obviously you have, and then you went through that, that wonderful experience in college because you have these high expectations for yourself from a, did you ever think about going to the next level and playing at the next level? Yeah, I did. Um, you know, after college, I, I had the opportunity to go play in Israel uh, and a few other, a few other places overseas, but that was another one of those moments doc where I had to sit there and kind of look at things and, and think, all right, am I more valuable now? Cause when you're a six, five white guy, you're not, your, your professional basketball career, isn't really going anywhere, you know. So I had to be, I had to be realistic with myself at that point. I had to sit there and say, "All right, yes. I can, I can milk this thing out for a couple of years, you know, make okay money, right. see the world. That'd be awesome." Yeah. Um, but you know, where's my value right now? My value is in the professional workplace, right out of college. So I ended up my senior year. Um, I, I was I networked with a, a man named Ron Barzak in Knoxville, Tennessee. He was the the number one sales rep in the world for Stryker, which is a medical sales company. Yeah. And Ron, you know, we got, we got beat in the NCAA tournament and Ron called me and said, Hey, uh, this position's available, but you have two weeks to decide. And I was in grad school at the time. So I dropped out of grad school and I started working at Stryker. Wow. Yeah. So I, I worked at Stryker, did medical sales with him for about three and a half years, learned a ton. Um, so I actually got, I got out of basketball for, for its first time after college, just cause I needed a reset um you know it was kind of burned out a little bit at that point because it was it was basketball nonstop for the first you know 22 years of my life um so i hit the pause button stepped out tried something different you know tried to grow in a different area and uh it, it was a really good decision on my part yeah that's amazing that that you had that maturity as a young man at that age to know hey i need to step back i need to step back and reset and and i know you you carried that work ethic you carried the responsibility you carried all of that, you know, let your results speak into the uh, into the professional sales world, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I had a lot of learning to do, and um, you know, it was a different world for me. It was something I'd never really tried before, and you know, same thing with Ron when I was doing medical sales. We had our ups and downs, and at first, like he, like he was, he was, you know, not sold on me at first, and rightfully so because I wasn't doing a great job, but. You know, it was one of those things where we we got together and we talked and we figured it out. And then the next year, I had an unbelievable year. And, um, you know, he, he was a lot happier with my progress and what I was doing. So, you know, it was another one of those things where um, we got to a point where we had to make some decisions. And we had to make some changes. And we did those things. And, and we, you know, it applied and it, and it carried on. We had, we had a, you know, a good year, my third year. And then um, the opportunity to come down here to Auburn kind of presented itself. So you know, that's another thing I'm sure we'll talk about, but it was just, it was, you know, it, it was a crazy couple of years. So we will talk about that in just a minute, but here's the pattern I'm seeing, Steven. I want you to speak to this all through your career, all through your life, you have been exposed to some, some incredible opportunities. And that's, that's, a, that's wonderful. But a lot of people are exposed to opportunities mm -hmm. of different, different levels, but it appears to me that in each area, whether it's basketball or sales, you are coachable. You, you somehow you have, you have found this ability to be coached. Is that true? And how does that affect you now? Yeah, I think, you know, I think that's true. And, you know, that's, that's something that you kind of learn from your, your dad being a coach. Um, you know, you kind of see how 
he interacts with players and you, you see the guys that aren't coachable and they usually tend not to, to succeed unless they're mm-hmm. just so talented that it doesn't matter. And they just, you know, they, they rise above it, but there's not a lot of individuals like that. I'm not one of those individuals. So I realized that, you know, usually people that are in positions that are, you know, like a Bruce Pearl, who's a head coach or, or my former boss striker, Ron Barzak, who's the best salesman in the country. Those guys are there for a reason. Mm. So you need to swallow your pride a little bit. Mm. Shut up and listen. Okay, just in case you missed it, swallow your pride, shut up, and listen. Great leadership advice. And yeah, I think that's, you know, that was really important for me um, in in multiple areas is once I, you know, once I realized at Tennessee that I had to change a few things about who I was as a player to get on the floor. And that was, you know, spending an entire summer in the weight room and gaining 30 pounds of muscle and and going from a scorer to nothing but a, a defensive stopper you know, that got me on the floor. And then, you know, at striker, you know, when Ron told me all the different things that I needed to do differently, applying those things and actually doing them, um, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's, it's difficult, but it's, it's pretty simple at the same time. You know, you got, you got to listen to those that are your superiors, apply those things and the results will just kind of speak for themselves. Yeah. You've lived that you've experienced it and it has to make it, um, at least more effective now when you're trying to coach these young men on the court because you've been there. You you have done what you're asking them to do. And I want to I want to talk about your investment in their life in just a minute. But we're, we're through striker now. We're coming back to the plains. Um, you have this opportunity. Take it from there. So we were, you know, it was crazy because we, me and my good friend Jordan Howell, who's from Auburn, played at Tennessee with me, and, and coach were driving down to Atlanta for the SEC tournament, and. Coach looks over at Jordan and says, hey, Jordan, you, you lived in Auburn growing up. Can Auburn be good at basketball? And this is like the first I'd heard of him like being interested in the job. And I was like, what? Like, what do you mean? He's he's like, well, you know, they approached me and Jordan told him, he said, it's a tough job, but if anyone can win there, it's you. And, you know, that was kind of all he needed to hear at that point. So mm. um, he ended up going through the interview process with Jay Jacobs and David Benedict and ended up getting hired and asked me if I'd be interested in coming down here to help him build this thing. Wow. And I was 26 at the time and I was young enough to change professions at the time and, and it'd be okay. So, you know, I, I had a, you know, pretty promising career in medical sales. Um, you know, I was, I was looking to get in my own territory somewhere in the country and be my own rep and, uh, you know, decide to take a, a leap of faith and come down to at the time, which was the second worst power five basketball job in the country. Yes, I um, remember. <laughs> and, and try and do a, a rebuild with with my with my dad, and um, you know it was a, it was a unbelievable opportunity, but also a difficult one. But you know he he made it. Coach made it seem like you know he really needed his family down there to help him with it, and that mm. was that was a, that was a calling to me to you know want to come down here and, and work with him and and try and help him you know get this thing turned around. So you came, and now you're seven years in. Mm-hmm. Has the relationship, have you had some ups and downs? Have you had to kind of navigate and learn how to adjust? What's it been like those seven years? I really, I mean, since we started, it's really only gotten better. That's um, awesome. Working together has been, has been a true blessing. And it's a lot different than, than playing for them. Because while you have the same goal in both areas, you know, when you're playing, you're trying to, you know, earn a certain spot. You're, you're, you're trying to get out on the floor. You're trying to play. You're trying to get more of a role. Whereas when you're in coaching and you're coaching together, you're, you're all driving towards the same thing. Now, when you have, you know, you will have differences in opinion, 
but that's the beauty of this is you know we can sit there and argue with each other but at the end of the day we're gonna we're gonna come to the same conclusion the same end goal um and just you know being obviously in my 30s now you know a little more mature um you know we we we, we bond over a lot of different things and we get to share yeah. a lot of commonalities and we get to yeah. spend a lot of time together and do a lot of really cool things together um so as we've as i've gotten older gotten more mature our relationships only gotten better and it's it's, it's been an unbelievable ride you know that that is amazing and, and there's no doubt that that relationship is so strong but let me tell you what i've seen i want you to respond to is i've watched you these past seven years uh there's no doubt that your dad loves you and and believes in you and and gave you know there, there's no question about that it's very obvious but here's what i've seen and and i want you to speak to this mm. It appears to me because there's one thing to 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 love, and there's another thing to to trust at a different level. Mm. And professionally, now that has nothing to do with the personal love; it's the professional trust as yeah. your skill as a coach has has developed, has grown. And I've seen that trust that that Coach Pearl has in you. I watch him, and I watch how he interacts with you, and I watch what you do not only on the sideline but but other responsibilities. And it appears to me that the trust level has grown significantly these seven years. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think part of that comes with, you know, um, having spent six years before this in his or five years before this in his system playing for him. So I have a better understanding of what we do. That's good. Um, so that that's one thing too, obviously, you know, being his son, he, he knows that I know how he operates. So one of the things that I think is my, one of my biggest values on the staff, is I can say things to him that no one else can because, you know, he, he's, <laughs> you know, so, sometimes some of the guys that. on staff will come up to me and say, Hey, you need to like, can you put this in his ear? Cause I mean, being his son, like he's dressed me down so many times as a player that, you know, I'm not, it doesn't phase me. So like if there, right. if, if something needs to be said to him, I'm, I'm able to say it to him. Or if BP gets a little riled up, I'm able to calm him down a little bit because I can talk to him and, and, and level with him on a few things. But yeah, there is that trust there as well. Um, and I think that's just from the amount of time we've spent together in, in the basketball world. Um, so, you know, it, it, it is really cool, you know, when, when he does come to you for, for certain things about, you know, decisions. But that's the cool thing about Coach is he's like that with a lot of people. You know, if he mm. trusts you, he's going to ask for your opinion. There could be a manager on our, on our staff. If he comes to Coach with something, he's going to listen to him. And I think that's what makes Coach such a great leader. And, you know, wanting to talk about him in this is be, just because he is he he's always wanting to learn. Mm, you know, he's wow. one of the best coaches in the country and he's 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 willing to listen to anyone at any level on our staff mm. as long as it makes them better. And as long as it helps our team, it doesn't matter. There's no there's no pride there. There's no ego there. You know, he doesn't think he's the greatest thing in the world. He, he thinks, you know, he knows he works hard, but he thinks he's got a long ways to go as far as being one of the best. And so he hates talking about himself, but he 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 wow. he's a sponge. And I think, you know, him being that way amongst our staff has made us so successful because everyone feels like they have input. He listens. He's a lifelong learner. He's a sponge. Um, Coach Bruce Pearl, and it's what makes him a great leader. And it's what has influenced Stephen and his leadership as well. A great example for us all, really. Well, what a great example. Uh, what a great example of a servant leader, you know, always learning that lifelong learner that, that he is, that he has, has bestowed upon you and you've taken that and, and now you're applying it. It's fun mm -hmm. to watch you guys. And by the way, that, that 
trust we talked about and where you you've earned the right to speak into his life. You've earned the right to say some things and, and to confront him and to calm him. That that's amazing. So, so here you are and, and you have, have achieved this position, if you will, and it's much more than a position for you because as assistant coach, you have responsibilities for investing in players. You have responsibilities and you, you have achieved, would you talk just a minute? I mentioned it earlier in the intro, but I want you to speak just a minute about the academic um, rigor that you've instilled in this basketball team. Would you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, a couple of my, my main areas of, of concern are, you know, obviously on the court, you know, I do a lot of the scouting and game planning, but off the court, one of the main areas that I focus in is academics with our kids. And that, that's a tough job because as you know, Doc, Auburn is a really, really, really tough school. Yes. It's a tough school to get into and it's a tough academics. It's a tough academic school. The average ACT this year was a 30. Our wow. kids aren't getting 30s on their ACTs. Right. Know? So you you have our kids coming in there who are getting, you know, 20s, 21s, 22s on their ACTs competing with, you know, an average of 30 in the classroom every day. So it's like, you know, I, I, if you compare it to basketball, it's like a college team playing an NBA team. You know, it's, it, it's difficult. So our kids have to work twice as hard. And they also have the schedules on top of that with practice and, and training and and in class and all the media availability, all types of stuff. So, you know, one of the things that we're super proud of here at Auburn is, you know, we've graduated more athletes in, in basketball in the SEC than anyone in the country. You know, we've had a, a perfect APR, um, which is a academic performance rating, which is kept year by year. And that's based on uh, progress towards degree and graduation. You know, we've had a perfect score the last four years. You know, we, we've, we've been the top 10% of, of that category in, in all of college basketball, um, you know, for the last couple of years. So it's, it's, it's really, you know, speaks to our staff and, and how invested we are in our student athletes and how important it is. You know, obviously, once the basketball is done dribbling, you got to have that piece of paper. And that's one of the biggest things that our kids have kind of bought, on, bought into and really held on to. And, you know, one of the most rewarding things about coaching is, you know, we're assigned to a certain number of players. While we, while we oversee everybody, each coach gets about three or four guys. And it's just really cool on that journey to watch them. They're going to struggle, but they're also going to have some unbelievable accomplishments. And, and one in particular is we had a kid, Samir Dowdy, this past year, um, kid from, from Philly, tough neighborhood in Philly. You know, he, he came here from, from VCU, and he ended up graduating this year. So seeing stuff like that, seeing those kids graduate, wow, seeing those kids wow. get their diploma, Great. You know, that, that's cooler than any SEC championship, any Final Four, is watching those kids, you know, be the first in their family to graduate, you know, accomplish that lifelong dream of, of getting that diploma, and then going on to, to play their professional basketball. So, you know, the academic piece, it, it's, it really is a group effort, though. While, while I, you know, I'm the liaison to our, our you know, director of, of academics over at the SADC, our entire staff is so bought in, and, and they really work their tails off to, to keep these kids in line, on task, and on target. You know, the, the underlying message, though, is you are sending a strong cultural uh, messaging to the players. You're, you're more than just a basketball player to us. We, we, we care about you. We know that when this ride ends, you've got to be prepared, as you've spoken of earlier. You've got to be ready for whatever comes. And the way that you can be ready is to have that that piece of paper, that diploma, and putting the time, energy, and investment. That is a testimony to your authentic care for the for the player. I think, and it's so it's so refreshing. Uh, perhaps one of the things I'm most proud of you for, and, and our team, and, and our staff. I mean, leading our team to that. But that that says a lot. And, and go back to what you said, Stephen. Results speak, right? Mm -hmm. Look at uh, all those 
academic uh, uh, success stories that you can name. And uh, so that, that's quite amazing. And you also are responsible for investing in these players uh, from, from a basketball skill standpoint. How do you do that? How do you get a player to hear you, Stephen? How, how do you build that rapport when you're out there working with a kid who, you know, like you, you may have come from very difficult circumstances or, or maybe has been a prima donna, whatever. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you, uh, have you been so successful investing in them? It's, it's time spent. I mean, these kids keep score. You know, wow. how often are you, you know, how often are you in the gym while they're working out? Now we only have, we have a certain limit of hours that we can be with the guys. It's not unlimited. Unfortunately, if it was unlimited, we'd be in there all the time with them. But, mm-hmm. you know, do you go to lunch with them? Do you, do you shoot them a text message, you know, when they're having a bad day? You know, these kids don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm. And I think that's just been really big. You know, coaches always told us that it's time spent and you got to show them how much you care. So the amount of time you spend with these kids, you know, regardless of what it is, whether you're in the locker room, just, just you know, chopping it up and talking, whether you're doing workouts with them, getting extra shots to them, you know, some of the annoying things of, reaching out about homework and, and missed assignments and like just subtle reminders. But if you're always in their ear about different things in their life, checking in on how their mom's doing checking in on how, you know, how their brother's doing, you know, just the amount of time you spend with these guys is the most important thing. And if you do spend that time with them, you build that trust and you gain their trust. And at that point, they're willing to do anything for you. Um, whether it's, you know, uh, whether, you know, selfishly and unselfishly. And I think one of the things that we've been able to do over the last couple of years is we've made a huge connection with our, with our players and it's really made our culture and our locker room a lot better. So the amount of time we've invested, um, yeah. I think has really changed a lot of things in this program has been really a big reason why we've been so successful. Want to change your culture in your home? Want to change the culture uh, on your team and at work? Uh, how about spending time investing connecting, uh, and that leads to true uh, culture change. Great words from Stephen. It is so evident, Stephen, the, the, the culture change that, that you guys have, have made. And you are a family. It's not, those are not just words. Um, mm-hmm. the, it's truth, and we see it. Those, those are that are on the outside. But you have earned the right to do that by investing in them off the court so that you could help them on the court. Uh, it, it's a, it's amazing example of leadership. I mean, it's just a great example of it, it, We can't expect to lead others unless we invest in others. And, and I love what you said. Uh, they, they need to know how much, how much you care. And, and I want to, want to kind of turn the corner as we look at, at draw, I could talk to you all day and, and <laughs> you're just brilliant. I, I love, love your heart. Um, but uh, take a minute and share with us, if you don't mind uh, being a bit vulnerable, mm-hmm. Set, share with us uh, uh, what has been a struggle that you've had on your leadership journey, something that, that you think of that, you know, it was painful, it was hard, it was a struggle. Would you share, share that with us? Um, I mean, you want, you want it in professional life or just in college? What's, what, what, what would be? Well, I, you, I'll, I'll say it's your choice. I, why don't you do professional life if you have one? Yeah. Well, you know, as you know, Doc, I mean, we, we had some struggles three or four years ago in our program, um, had some scrutiny, you know, had an assistant coach who, who got down the wrong road, whether, whether it was intentional or unintentional, I don't think it was intentional at all. Um, I think, you know, one of our coaches just got into a bad spot and made some bad decisions. Um, and it, it, it resulted in some consequences for, for our university and for our basketball program. And, you know, that was, that was a difficult time. 
and that was right around when me and you first started talking. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember it vividly. We were in Nashville at the uh, Renaissance Hotel. Wow. And we were talking uh, after we had just lost. We had lost to Tennessee by like, like 40 or something. And you, you were kind enough to pull me aside and we talked and you know you, you shed a lot of light on some really important things. And that summer we went out <clears throat> and we made some changes in how we recruited kids and, and how, we, but that, that was a, a big start to how we were going to change our culture, I think. Mm. But then, you know, we hit that roadblock um, mm. and, you know, the national media was on us and <clears throat> had a lot of things to say about us. And it was just an everyday constant battle. And when you go through something like that, that you've never gone through before, that no one really has ever gone through before in this profession, you have to figure out how to adapt and how to change yeah. and how to um, evolve, I guess. And one of the things that we did was we decided as a, as a unit, as a group, that we were going to keep everything in this locker room and we were going to basically work through this entire thing as, as a group, as a family, as a team, and not let the outside noise get to us. Mm. So what we did while, while dealing with all this is we poured ourselves into these kids all day, every day, and just gave them everything we had to try and give them the experience that they deserved, that they signed up for. And I think, you know, they, they saw that and they appreciated that and, and they loved that. And the results kind of showed we, we had a, you know, we had a really good team that year. We won, we won 25 games. We won an SEC, ter- SEC championship. And if we hadn't gotten, you know, banged up at the end of the year, we could have made a serious run in the tournament um, without two of our best players. Um, so dealing with that adversity and, and, you know, it, for me, like, you know, it, it was tough because I had to watch, I had to watch some of my best friends on staff go through that. And I had to watch my dad go through that and I had to deal with it, what I was dealing with. But at the end of the day, the, the, the one comfort we had were, were our guys, were our players. Mm. So the mm. practice was like the best part of our day because we didn't have to deal with anything else. We, we just got to worry about X's and O's and hoops and, and scouting yeah. and, and getting our kids better. So we really, really poured ourselves into, into our kids that year. And I think that's carried over over the last couple of years as far as why we've been successful is because, you know, regardless of what's happening on the outside, whether it's happening in your personal life or in your professional life, you know, we've just poured ourselves into our players and into our program. And our kids have, have taken notice of that and they're, they've fought for us that much harder every single year. So you turned adversity into a strength because you faced it, you walked through it, you didn't deny it, you pulled everybody together and led through it. And I watched you do that, Stephen. And uh, it, it, it's it's easy to sit here and listen and think, well, you know, that's no big deal. It was a huge deal. And your heart, you know, your heart was broken at times, and, and yet you you persevered. You, you know, you take this very seriously. It's not just you are incredibly competitive and an incredible athlete. But you take it personally because you you authentically love those those players. You you know what it means to them. Yeah, there, there's a lot more at stake than just you know personal gain here. You know, you, you, in this profession, obviously, number one, you have to think about your players. Mm. But then on top of that, like we, we feel a responsibility to you know each other, our coaching staff, you know, our coaching staff's families, mm. you know, uh, our, our our students, our fans, our alumni. You know, the. the College athletics is, you know, in the South, it's, it's really hard to explain because people, you know, it, it impacts people. You, you lose a game, oh, you lose yeah. a football game on a Saturday, that, that, that ruins your whole damn week. You know what That's I mean? That's right. That's so right. Like, <laughs> you know, there's certain times we'll, we'll play a game 
And after the game, you know, BP will just feel terrible because we've let down, you know, if we, if we had a road game and like we had a couple hundred people travel there, if we lose that game, coach feels terrible because there's a lot more at stake than just wins and losses. There's, you know, there's a lot of things at stake in this profession, which is what makes it so special, but also makes it so difficult. And, you know, having those moments um, really, really, you know, as a leader, it really helps you. And I think it helps you grow and, and learn new things and, and mature. Yeah, I, I agree. And I never will forget your face, you know, uh, at the end of the, the, the final four, uh, when I saw you out outside, um, it was, it was authentic. It wasn't, it wasn't anger. It was hurt. I mean, you were, you were, and I knew exactly where, what you were thinking that, you know, we had this, you know, this, this responsibility. And I saw that, that a lot is at stake and, and I love that about you. I think that says a lot about who you are and, and who your dad is. And mm-hmm. um, so, so here's how I want to close it. If you don't mind, there are some, yeah. there are some young leaders out there, Stephen, who are, who are just like you were and, you know, but they're, they're trying to, they're trying their best to get there. They, they want to lead. Well, they may not have even had the opportunities that you have, but they do have, we all have some type of opportunity, right? We, yeah. we can find that. What, what help can you give them tips on what do they need to be doing to, to be the leader that, that will help them to make an impact in life? What tips can you give them? I'd say the main thing that I think was most important for my, my growth and my continual growth is just being a sponge. Mm. Um, you know, I'm around some of the best men and leaders I've ever been around. You know, you got obviously mm. coach, but then, you know, in the offices next to me, I got Chad Pruitt. I have Ira Bowman and I have Wes Flanagan. And those are guys on our staff for those of you that don't, don't know Auburn basketball. And as men, as fathers, as husbands, you know, as servants, there's some of the greatest I've ever been around. So every day I try and sit back and watch them work. And I learn a couple of things from them every single day. And I try and put that to what I do. And if that, if that works with what my approach is, so that's one thing. One is being a sponge, always continually learn, be willing to learn. Don't ever think you have it all figured out. Always going to learn. And then two, just try things that make you uncomfortable a little bit step outside of your comfort zone, mm. you know, do, you know, do a few things that you wouldn't normally do. Um, and, and just try them out and see if they work for, you know, because when I, when I first started this, when, this, when I first started this job, I was a little more aggressive in my approach. That's just kind of who I was. And I realized that that just wasn't working. I wasn't getting to the kids. So I completely changed what I did. And I tried a different approach and I tried to be a little more gentle and a little more subtle. And I, I had to evolve a little bit. Mm. I think that was really important because you can't treat everyone the same. You have to treat them fairly. That's right. So every kid is going to, or, or person in general is going to respond differently. Like you can, there's certain people that you can yell at and you can really get after, and that's how they absorb information. But some people you do that to, they'll shut down completely. So you might have to pull that person off to the side and, and give them a little more, a little more gentle approach to how you want to deliver your message. So being able to, one, change your approach, be uncomfortable, but two, also understand that every person you're leading is not going to be the exact same. So everyone is going to respond differently to how you are coaching them or how you are leading them. So just be cognizant of how different people react to your, you know, your tactics of leadership. Those are great tips. And not only get, regardless of, of what age of leader, uh, at what level of leadership uh, that that you have garnered and learned, but yet you are displaying. And, and Stephen Pearl, you are uh, an amazing leader. You're incredibly gifted. 
Um, you're an incredible coach. I see that, but way more important, you are a difference maker. Um, you're leading with your, your head and you're leading with your heart, you're speaking into the lives. Uh, a lot is at stake and, and you know that and realize that as you invest in, in those around you. And I know you will continue to do that throughout your career. Uh, I am thankful you are at Auburn university as an Auburn alum and fan. Uh, but I just can't help, but know in my heart, you know, there are great things ahead of you. Uh, and, and who knows uh, where, but thanks for, for sharing with us and investing in us. And before we go, I ha wait a minute, there's a big, there's a big thing coming. <laughs> St Steven, before we go, uh, we'll call time out for a minute. Okay. So tell us, tell us the big event that recently happened, Steven. So I just, I just recently got engaged, um, you know, proposed to my girlfriend of two and a half years. Um, her name is Brittany. Um, she was living in Nashville when I met her um and uh about three months ago finally convinced her uh to move down to auburn and uh popped the question shortly thereafter and uh you know she said yes so th that's a good thing and uh you know looking to get married uh you know next year sometime once all this this COVID stuff goes away but it's it's been unbelievable you know having having that in my life because in coaching it's 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 always good to share the highs and the lows of somebody and before I didn't have that. So having her in my life, I've been able to share mm. the wins, the losses, the good times, the bad times, um, and just being able to her to be a soundboard sometimes. Um, so it's, it's been a true blessing. You know, I'm, I'm happier than I've ever been um, in my life and in my profession. So she's just made everything so much better. So we're, we're really excited. Well, congratulations. Congratulations for you, for this partner that completes you and congratulations to her because she's getting uh, an incredible leader in, in her life as well. Thanks, hey, bro. thank you for your time. I'm going to look forward to having coffee with you. We're going to get together soon, but I really appreciate you. You giving me some time for this podcast. Uh, you take care and um, uh, God bless you, Stephen. Thanks for Doc, your time. Doc, thank you for your friendship, your leadership and everything you do. Thanks, my friend. Well, what a fun conversation and a meaningful conversation. I, I hope you could sense the authenticity and um, the transparency of Stephen. Uh, he, he's really working hard and in, in, in becoming a, a tremendous leader, and he is impacting uh, more and more people uh, in his world. And he talked to us about the importance of, of being positive and staying positive and making the most of our opportunities and, and being ready, staying ready and being patient and then being ready. And he talked about investing and spending time uh, with others. And he, he talked about the importance of building that connection and, uh, and then his own ability to be coachable, to listen, to listen to those others, to watch other people and to learn from them and even to change some of the ways that, that he was leading. He has uh, so many insights and uh, I hope that it was helpful to you, uh, this young coach uh, who is uh, up and coming, uh, but uh, more importantly than up and coming in the basketball world, uh, he is really uh, uh, becoming a tremendous leader and uh, he's learning from his dad uh, many, many things. Uh, most importantly, perhaps, is that uh, virtue of being a servant leader. So um, this was a fun one for me. I enjoyed it. I hope you did. I, I hope you gained some insight and some truth. Even if you're not an Auburn fan, I hope that you enjoyed uh, hearing uh, Auburn assistant basketball coach Stephen Pearl. Thank you so much for uh, joining me once again as we cross the line to make a difference in the lives of others.